Welcome to the Sweet Vegan Spills the Tea Nutrition and Holistic Health Podcast. I'm Jennifer Chapman. I am a holistic nutritionist, a vegan health coach, and a studying nutritherapy practitioner and naturopath. I'm also the host of this show. Over 10 years ago, I survived a near-fatal autoimmune disease and immediately adopted dramatic nutrition and lifestyle changes. And I started on a journey leading to what I imagine will probably be a lifetime of passion-driven research and education on all things holistic health and nutrition. This is the inspiration behind this podcast, where we talk about everything from cooking, diet, gut health and mental health, to hormones, the neurological system, and immune system and beyond. talk food, remedies, lifestyle hacks, and so, so, so much more. I really, really hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Hello, and welcome to not only episode 11 of Sweet Vegan Spills the Tea podcast, but also our first podcast episode of the new year, 2022. Yay. Happy new year. I'm so happy you're here. I love the new year. And um, I don't just mean this one. I mean, all new years. And it is also the inspiration uh, for this episode, which is how to switch to a vegan or plant-based diet. Because many people chose that as their new year's resolution or one of them resolutions, goals, intentions, challenges, whatever you want to call it. I just recently learned that some people are very triggered by the world, world, by the word, well, by the world as well, but also by the word resolution, which I am not and cannot relate to, but there's a fun piece of information for you in case you didn't know that either. I love the word resolution. I love, well, all of those words. I love resolutions, goals, challenges, intentions, all of it. It all just feels like a fresh start to more. And also like a clean slate or something. I'm not sure. But I also love garbage day for the same reason. So like every week I get excited about that. So there's a peek into the window of my soul. So, um, okay. So speaking of resolutions, um, One of my intentions for 2022 is to make sure that this podcast actually comes out more consistently and more often. And that means hopefully two episodes a month, starting with this month, right this very January, um, which is to say that this episode will come out. And then on January 18th, we will have kind of a follow-up episode, which is not to say that it will be specifically about um, vegan or plant-based diet, but it will be about um, goal-setting and um, like the maintaining of sustainable goals. We're setting sustainable goals and maintaining them. How about that? And we will be having a guest, which is rare and also very exciting. Her name is Adelaide. She is a personal trainer and behavior coach, and she specializes in setting healthy habits that are sustainable and um, maintaining goals after you set them setting yourself up for success, we'll say. So today we'll be about making a switch. And on January 18th, we will be talking to Adelaide about how to make sure that we are able to sustain and maintain our goals. I'm not sure if that's how I wanted to say that, but it's said. So there you have it. So why don't we just jump in to how to switch to a vegan or plant-based diet? We'll start with some of the reasons why some people do that. 
we will not hit all of them, but um, definitely some of the main reasons would be health. So for sure, eating animal products uh, increases our risk of suffering from uh, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, obesity, kidney diseases, all kinds of autoimmune diseases, um, Alzheimer's disease, and many, many more, including the number one non-pandemic related cause of death in the United States of America, which is heart disease, and the number one non-pandemic cause of death in Canada, which is cancer. So that is huge. So for those of you who are choosing to make this switch because of your health, amazing so proud of you, so excited for you, and a uh, way to show up for yourself. Great job. A lot of people also make the switch for environmental reasons. So animal agriculture is responsible for more greenhouse gas emissions than all of the world's transportation systems combined, as far as I know. Last time I looked it up, that's what I learned. Feel free to correct me if you have other information, but as far as I know, um, that is a fact. And more than half of the water used in the United States today goes to animal agriculture. Farmed animal excrement emits gases um, such as hydrogen sulfide and ammonia, which um, poisons the air around the farms, as well as methane and nitrous oxide, which we know contributes to global warming. And um, also the runoff from the excrement at the factory farms and slaughterhouses pollutes our water. So um, there's more to it than that, but basically in summary, this would be one of the, um, that wasn't one, that was a lot, but the environment is what I'm trying to say is also a very common reason for people to switch to a plant-based diet. Some people go vegan to help contribute to limiting or ending world hunger. The numbers that I had last were that it takes tons of crops, 13 pounds, I believe, of grain to produce just one pound of meat, animal meat, 13 pounds of grain, one pound of animal meat. Yep. Um, and that plant food could be used more efficiently. For example, we could use those 13 pounds of crop to just feed people directly. And of course, a lot of people go vegan because of animal activism and anti-speciesism. So um, every year in the US, more than 10 billion land animals are slaughtered for food. And the animals on these farms live in usually very overcrowded um, conditions. Many of them don't see the light of day. Uh, they are separated from each other, from their mothers. They're isolated. They're abused. Some of them are even tortured. And I'm really just not even going to go into the details of it. One, because it's just extremely upsetting. And um, two, because I'll actually do an episode about that specifically, but I feel like people deserve some warning before they listen to that. And I don't really feel like springing that on, um, on you listeners and viewers uh, with no warning. If anyone listening to this episode does want to know more about it or doesn't actually even know what I'm talking about, I definitely urge you to educate yourself. I think that it's really, really important to know exactly what you're eating and where it came from, even if it's plant-based, because there's stories behind that also. Um, and there are a ton of resources for that 
online. There's tons of websites. There are all kinds of um, movies. Well, there's documentaries about it, like Earthlings and Dominion. I will warn you um, that Dominion, which is a documentary filmed with drones and hidden cameras in and outside of uh, factory farms, I have not seen. So I have no idea uh, what you're signing up for. If you watch that, I watched the trailer and I didn't, that's a lie. I started to, I couldn't even get through the trailer without having a bit of a breakdown. So, so you've been warned if, if you watch it. And I also, I just want to add though, the purpose, even when I do that episode, which I will do at some point is not to guilt or shame anyone. I don't want people to feel bad about themselves. That's not the point of educating people. So, um, you know, we, most of us grew up in a society where we have been conditioned, not only conditioned to feel like this is normal, but where this has been, um, you know, aggressively marketed at us, this being the consumption of an exploitation of animals. It has been the norm for a very, very, very long time, but also it has been very heavily branded and marketed and and we've been told that it's an absolute necessary, necessary, hmm, a necessity um, for our health and for the economy. And, um, you know, there's a whole agenda and a whole psychology behind all of it. And it's much bigger than we are. In fact, um, Care Roy, who was a guest on episodes, I think, yeah, five and six, Care, who used to work in marketing. Um, she and I talk about it a bit, a little bit more in detail on those episodes. Um, but all that to say that it's complicated and I get that. And, and I don't want to guilt anyone or shame anyone. I just really want to be a source of inspiration and a, and a resource for people who do, um, want to eat more plant-based or want to make choices that are more vegan friendly in life. So let's do that. The reason why I went vegan um, which I did in 2010. Well, actually, I, w- I became vegetarian when I was 18. And so that would have been in 1988. And it was after watching a documentary about um, egg laying chickens, the f- like in the factory. Um, and I decided that I could no longer eat chicken after seeing that or eggs. And then I um, realized that it probably wasn't only chickens who were being treated this way. And I did a bit more research. And so I became vegetarian, but not vegan. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me at that point that um, some of these conditions would extend into the dairy industry. But for whatever reason, I um, did not make the full switch over. In fact, I actually even ate fish for a long time after I switched. So I guess I wasn't even vegetarian. I was pescatarian for a long time. Anyways, eventually I was vegetarian. And then in 2010, I got really, really sick um, with an autoimmune disorder called autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which is where my body, um, I guess I might have caught a virus or something triggered my immune system to attack something and then it got confused and started attacking my actual red blood cells so i almost died i was in the hospital for weeks and i had 
like 12 transfusions. Like I think six blood transfusions and, um, and other transfusions that are like a blood product. So that was very, very scary. And the doctors told me that they couldn't believe I lived through all of that. And they were just shocked and amazed. And they were introducing me to their students and saying, here she is. This is so amazing. She lived. It's incredible. So once I was well enough, I asked them, you know, what do I do now to make sure that doesn't happen again? Because you don't actually seem to know why it happened in the first place. And they said, well, it could have been um, caused by a virus that looked very similar to your red blood cells or something along these lines, or it could have been um, idiosyncratic, which to my understanding just means we don't know. And in response to the part where I said, what can I do to prevent this from happening? They said, well, just try and limit your stress and be as healthy as you possibly can. And if the symptoms start again, come immediately back to the hospital. So for weeks and months and actually years, I had to go back um, for very frequent blood tests to make sure that my hemoglobin wasn't dropping again. And um, that was their part of of helping me or helping to prevent that from happening again, which is not to say that it would help prevent the disorder from flaring up, but maybe that they could catch it sooner so it wouldn't be as life-threatening when it did happen. The thing is that that left me feeling extremely terrified. (laughs) And every time I felt a chill or tired or anything, I would get really, really scared. So I decided to do all the work that I could to try and figure out what exactly I needed to do to stop this from happening again. And that led me down a path of learning about autoimmune disorders, which um, then led me to researching inflammation, which also led me to researching um, food and nutrition, which led me to a book by Alicia Silverstone called The Kind Diet. And I think right around that time was when I started my blog, which has now sort of become a whole website hub of resources, um, sweetvegan.net, because after reading Alicia's book, I immediately switched to a plant-based diet. So that's what led me not only to switch to plant-based, but also led me to starting Sweet Vegan, which is this, us here. The title of this podcast episode is how to switch to a vegan or plant-based diet. So let's just grab some clarity um, between the definitions. Eating a plant-based diet is essentially eating a diet that is made up of foods that came from plants or their family members. So that means eating fruits and vegetables, grains, legumes, fungi, and algae. I don't think I missed anything. Mm, Nuts and seeds, but they come from plants. So see, Um, and vegan means to not eat or wear or use any products that were made or that came made by or came from any animals or insects of any kind. So that, or, and often also extends to the exploitation of animals for the purpose of labor and um, entertainment. So this is not always the case, but often vegans will not eat any animal products 
They will also not use any products that contain beeswax or honey, and they are often not in support of animal breeding for financial profit or of dog or horse racing, of cockfighting, dogfighting, or any of that stuff. And they won't wear leather or suede or silk, et cetera, et cetera. So anything at all that came from or is made of animal, they will not partake in, generally speaking. Um, so that is the difference between plant-based and vegan. As much as people switch to a plant-based diet or a vegan diet for health reasons, they also have some health concerns about it, which is totally valid and I get. And by the way, eating a vegan diet um, does not necessarily mean you're eating a healthy diet. There are plenty of um refined and processed foods that are vegan, that are not healthy for you, that are packed with sodium or sugar or saturated fats. A lot of them are full of coconut oil, palm oil, vegetable oils. Those are saturated fats. So switching to a vegan diet does not necessarily mean that you are switching to a healthy diet. I used to have a friend who was vegan, lovely, beautiful human being. He didn't know how to cook. He didn't know anything about nutrition. And he basically lived on French fries and toast. He weighed like two pounds and he was as white as a sheet and I would not necessarily classify him as healthy. <laughs> so it is understandable that some people worry that they're not going to get enough of certain things if they're on a vegan or plant-based diet. And that is certainly possible as it is, even if you are eating an omnivorous diet, if you eat at McDonald's every day, you're not getting the fiber or the nutrients that you need either. So, um, it's not to say that vegan is, is less healthy than or more healthy than a non-vegan diet. It's just to say that you still have to be very mindful of what kind of foods you're eating. And processed and refined foods are never your best friends when it comes to nutrition. So some of the biggest concerns that people have, it used to just be protein and iron and maybe calcium, but now it seems to be protein, iron, calcium, B12, selenium, iodine, and omega fatty acids and zinc. So I'll touch on all of those now, but I'll also um, include links in the show notes that go a bit more into detail about what those um, things, like what the function of them is. Um, and then uh, also what sources are available to you if you do switch to a plant-based diet. Okay. So the most common deficiency that people worry about when switching to a vegan or plant-based diet is definitely protein. And this is understandable considering the world that most of us grew up in. But the truth of the matter is most North Americans, at least, consume twice as much protein as they actually need in a day. And less than 3% get the minimum recommended amount of fiber. I'm going to say that again. 97% of Americans are fiber deficient. And the average American gets at least twice as much protein as they need in their daily diet. So... There are plenty of plant-based sources of protein, including nuts and seeds and tofu and seitan and tempeh and soybeans and soy milk and corn. And there are 
tons of vegetables that have um, protein in them. And even grains have protein. In fact, one serving of pasta has about 10 grams of protein in it. So um, if for supper you have a primary protein like the tofu, seitan, um, tempeh, etc., beans, lentils, uh, chickpeas, any of that kind of stuff as your primary protein, um, and then you add some veggies on the side and a bit of a whole grain, you can see how you would have like a very um, protein, well, you'd have a very nice balanced variety of foods on your plate, which is great. And also you'd be getting plenty of protein. Calcium and iron are, are neck and neck for second place of concerns as far as deficiencies go, I find. And um, iron is a mineral that our body absolutely needs. Uh, for growth and for development. And um, our body uses iron to make hemoglobin. That's a protein in our red blood cells that carries oxygen uh, from the lungs to the other parts of our body that needs it. And myoglobin, which is a protein that provides oxygen to our muscles, super, super important. And everyone knows we need it. Most people know what anemia is or what an iron deficiency is. And most people know that it comes uh, from red meat. But what a lot of people don't know is there's actually two kinds of iron. There's heme iron, which does only come from animal flesh. And then there's non-heme iron, which comes from plant-based sources like leafy greens and nuts and seeds and whole grains. And the heme iron, which comes from animal products, is more um, readily absorbed by our bodies. But the non-heme iron... Uh, which is um, less rapidly absorbed into our bodies, is, we're actually able to better regulate it. So too much iron is not good for us either. In fact, it can be um, very dangerous. So as much as it is important to get enough iron, it's also important that we're not getting too much of it or storing it. Um, so that's where non-heme iron uh, comes in handy. So the plant-based iron and, but I did, as I said a second ago, I did, as I said, I did say a second ago that the non-heme iron is not as easily absorbed. So um, some ways that you can sort of aid the absorption of this iron are to eat vitamin C with your meals. 75 milligrams of vitamin C can increase your absorption of iron by like four times. So for example, if you're having a spinach salad, the spinach would be the leafy greens that have iron in it. You could throw in some bell peppers or orange slices or other food that has vitamin C in it, and that will help absorb the iron that's in the spinach. As an example, um, eating garlic and onion also increases your iron absorption. So if you're eating meals that uh, have onions and garlic in it, that's really helpful too. Eat, having coffee, tea, or calcium can interfere with the absorption of your iron. So ingest them at least an hour before or an hour after. So if you're having iron-rich foods, just make sure that you had your coffee at least an hour earlier or afterwards. Same if you're taking a calcium supplement, um, keep in mind the timing of when you're taking that. Um, and what was the other one? Uh, oh yeah, if you're taking a calcium, no, sorry, an iron supplement, if you also take an L-lysine um, supplement, that can help with the absorption of the iron. Right up there with iron as a concern, that seems to be calcium. 
and calcium is very important. We know that it, it helps us to build and maintain healthy, strong bones. It is also really important for our heart and the function of our nerves and our muscles. And there are a ton of plant-based sources of calcium. There is a link in the show notes, click on it, and you'll be led down a path of plentiful sources of plant-based calcium. We have been raised to believe that if we do not drink milk every day, our bones will break, and that is not true. And in fact, there have even been studies that have shown that there was more bone breakage with people who were um, consuming regular amounts of dairy products. And um, there are supplements available if you are concerned, but I strongly recommend that you see your health care practitioner and ask them to check and see if you need to be taking more calcium first, because with the exception of the next deficiency that we're about to talk about, um, I do not recommend that people take supplements that they don't need because often um, that can do you more harm than good. I know a lot of people just take tons of vitamins and feel like this is, you know, making them healthier because vitamins are healthy and that is not the case. And in fact, we did a whole episodes on a whole episode on, on supplements and vitamins and whether or not people should be taking them. So I think that was episode two. You should go back and check it out if you're interested in that. But yes, calcium, tons of plant-based sources of calcium. Don't stress about it. However, B12 is uh, non-negotiable. You absolutely, absolutely, absolutely need a B12 supplement. It is not readily available in plant foods. There are some fortified foods. There are, I mean, there's some B12 in nutritional yeast and in Marmite. Um, there is B12 in fortified cereals in some plant milks and where else would you find it? Some juices even, but for you to calculate how much B12 exactly is in that food. And then how much of that food would I need to take to get the right amount of B12 every single day is complicated. And I would feel better if you would just take a supplement. So I recommend that you take, um, 250 micrograms a day about, or 2000 a week. And cause sometimes they come in like a thousand. So just take you know, one or two of those a week, or you can take the two fifties once a day. Um, B12 is, uh, really, really important for the development and function of your central nervous system, uh, for your healthy red blood cell formation for DNA synthesis. It is essential for bone formation and many other functions in your body. And the thing about B12 also is that even though some vegans will tell you that they don't take it and they feel fine, it actually can take some time if you are deficient before the symptoms start to show. So you can be quite deficient before you start to realize that's what's going on and it's really not worth it. And I will tell you right now that um, the damage that can be done by deficiency can often be um, irreversible, particularly the damage to your brain and your nervous system. It's not worth it. Just take your B12 supplement. The reason why it is in um, animal products and not in plant products is because 
B12 is synthesized by a bacteria that used to be found in the earth where our vegetables and fruits grow. But that was before the mass commercialization of agriculture and before uh, we used heaps of pesticides, fungicides, insecticides, um, before we used chemical processing to purify our water, um, and before we scrubbed our vegetables so perfectly clean before sending them to the grocery store so that there are no actual traces of earth, much less B12 on them anyways. Um, and so it used to be that if we ate fresh vegetables from the garden, we would be getting B12, but that is no longer the case. So, um, but this B12 does, um, this bacteria that synthesizes B12 can be also found in the gut of animals. So that's why um, it's much easier to get it if you're eating animal products. But I will say that more and more omnivores are actually B12 deficient also because it's harder for the animals to get B12 now as well for the same reasons that I just listed off um, about plant-based sources. So really important. And then also um, anyone over the age of 60, whether they eat a plant-based diet or not, um, will have a decreased ability to absorb B12. So they should also be supplementing. Some people say over the age of 50 even. So um, it's not something to mess around with. I would absolutely um, also eat nutritional yeast and Marmite and breakfast cereals. If you like cereal, I don't care for it much, but, um, you know, and plant-based milk, there's some really great ones, but I would definitely recommend that you take a B12 supplement. I might've said, did I say that there's one supplement I would tell you to take only? That would be a lie if I said that. There's another one and that's vitamin D. Unless you live somewhere that is so tropical where the air is barely polluted and you really get at least 20 minutes of quality contact with the sun, no sunscreen every single day. Um, and that's a very small population of people, I'm assuming, if not because of geographical location, but because of lifestyle, because of work, because many of us are indoors a lot of the time because of pollution, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are that lucky person who gets really quality sunlight, at least 20, 20 minutes a day, every single day, all year round, great. Everyone else should be taking vitamin D and then take into consideration um, where you are geographically, um, how polluted the air is where you are, and then also the color of your skin. So the darker your skin tone is, um, the harder your it tends to be to absorb the vitamin D from the sun also. So for vitamin D, I would recommend between 500 and 2000 IU per day. You can take up to 3000 and... Um, especially, especially, especially recommend doing that during the winter months. Iodine is really, really important, particularly for your thyroid. It's also important uh, in relation to a number of conditions that affect the heart, the liver, muscles, kidneys, um, and developing fetuses as well as some other stuff. We used to get a lot more iodine when we ate more iodized salt. Um, more people have sea salt that is not iodized. And it's actually not uncommon for people to have a mild deficiency. The most 
rich in iodine foods are seaweeds, um, like kelp, nori, uh, and sea vegetables. So if you like sushi, you are in luck and just eat sushi once a week, you should be fine. Um, but it's also found in fortified bread. And as I just said, in iodized salt. Selenium is also crucial for thyroid function and thyroid health um, and healthy thyroid hormone production. It is also incredibly important for DNA synthesis, uh, reproduction, immunity, reducing inflammation, and for cardiovascular health. So the good news is that you can have one or two Brazil nuts a day, and you should be getting more than enough selenium doing that. And if you're allergic to tree nuts, please don't do that. Don't have any Brazil nuts a day. Um, you can take um, a 100 uh, MCG selenium supplement a day if you're allergic to the tree nuts. So we just have two more nutritional concerns that seem to come up a lot with uh, clients and the population who are, you know, dabbling in veganism or thinking about dipping their toe in plant-based living. Um, just two more. It was a long list. Gosh, gone are the days when people just said, oh yeah, well, where do you get your protein? Or do you know if you're getting enough calcium or iron? No. Now people know what their bodies actually do and what they need, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, but with this increased knowledge comes increased questioning. Uh, so here we have two more omegas and zinc. And then we're going to jump in to how to make the switch and, you know, cause there's more than one way to do it. And then also maybe some of the challenges that might come up and how we would overcome them. And I'm very excited to share some tips and tricks and resources with you. So, uh, omegas, let's do that. Omega threes and sixes are essential fatty acids. Uh, that is to say that our body cannot make them on their own and we absolutely have to consume them. So omega threes play a key role in maintaining healthy membrane structure. Um, and they are basically key to the structure of every single cell wall that you have in your entire body. And that's a, a lot. You have a lot of cell walls. And so you need those omega threes. They also play a key role, um, in uh, gene expression and they are an energy source that keep your heart and lungs and blood vessels and your immune system working the way that they should. So among other things, they do a lot of things. Those omega-3s, they're pretty amazing. And then your omega-6 um, fatty acids have been shown to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease and lowered um, or decrease in insulin resistance. Uh, the thing is that some people say that omega-3s are good, good fats and omega-6s are not, and that is not true. Omega-3s and 6s are good fats. Bad fats are fats like saturated fats, but it is very important that you not let your omega-6s uh, out, out number, outweigh, out, out balance your omega-3s. That is really, really, really important, um, especially for uh, ensuring that you don't have... Um, excessive inflammation, for example. Um, some whole food plant-based sources of omegas would be chia seeds, hemp seeds, Brazil nuts, walnuts, flax seeds, algae oil, hemp oil, uh, pumpkin seeds, edamame beans, kidney beans, um, sesame seeds, did I already say that? Seaweed, avocado, the list goes on and on. And if you're allergic to everything I just said, then by all means, take a supplement. Um, there are many of them out there. 
There's a handful that are uh, made out of fish oils. So be mindful if you're trying to switch over to a completely plant-based diet to get an algae oil supplement. My favorites are NutraKind, which is uh, from Australia, and then also NutraVeg, which we have here in Canada. And I don't know where all of my listeners are, or I would find out for you all of the Omega supplement brands in your area, but you're going to have to Google those, but just make sure that it's an algae um, oil, not a fish oil if you're switching. Okay. And then last of all is zinc. So zinc plays an important role in many functions of the body, including the synthesis of serotonin, which makes you happy. Um, Testosterone regulation, healthy thyroid function, cell division, wound healing, maintaining health and function of the prostate uh, in men, obviously, uh, healthy metabolism, memory, concentration, uh, rebalance, or keeping your sleep cycle balanced, like so, 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 so many things. Um, really important that you are not deficient in zinc uh, and your body doesn't store zinc. So you really need to get some every single day. So there are many plant-based sources of zinc and that includes nuts like walnuts, cashews, pistachios, pistachios, pistachios. I don't know what's wrong with me right now. Uh, not enough zinc, maybe pecans, pine nuts, uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, legumes like chickpeas and lentils, um, beans, edamame, tofu, tempeh, the list goes on and on. And as I said earlier, I um, have posted a link in the show notes for you to follow if you want more suggestions, plant-based sources of that also. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like more information on my holistic health and nutrition services or to book your free 15-minute holistic health and wellness call, you can reach me by emailing me at sweetvegancoaching at gmail.com or by using the contact form at www.sweetvegan.net. Okay, so you have a reason to switch to plant-based. You have a reassurance that your biggest concerns about deficiencies have been addressed and that there are ways for you to make sure that you're getting enough of all of those things, even on a plant-based diet. How are you going to make the switch? Some people do it cold turkey. I will not say that I did because I told you before, first I went vegetarian for many, many years or pescatarian then vegetarian and then vegan. And then even when I went vegan, I didn't just stop eating all animal products on one day and then never touch another one ever again. I went almost cold turkey though. So everything I cooked, everything I bought in my house and cooked um, was vegan. But occasionally if I went out and somebody had served, I don't know what, croissant for breakfast, I didn't inquire as to whether or not they were made with butter or if there was um, egg in a muffin, I didn't complain about it. I just ate, ate the muffin if I was hungry and needed to eat something. Um, some people do it gradually. Well, meatless Monday, for example. So some people will do like a completely vegan one day of the week. Some people will do only vegan. I like this one a lot, actually. I think it's pretty cool. Only vegan breakfasts for one week. They're going to switch over to vegan breakfast for one week or one month or whatever their plan is. And then the next week, they introduce only plant-based lunches as well. So they're now having on week two, 
all vegan breakfasts and all vegan lunches. And then week three or month or day, or however you're doing this, it will be also their suppers will be all vegan. So that's one way to gradually um, make the switch. Um, another way would be to maybe not necessarily choose the meal. So maybe it's not that you're going to always have vegan breakfast or vegan lunches, but maybe you're going to have certain days. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday are going to be plant-based days and not the other days. And then it's going to be weekdays are going to be the plant-based days, but not the weekends. And then eventually the whole week is going to be plant-based. So you can get creative. There's different ways to do it. But um, as I said, there there's people who who can switch cold turkey just like that, and and that's amazing. But that's not super easy to do for a lot of people. So if it's easier for you to make a, a gradual switch, um, then by all means do that. And also, if you have family members who are switching with you, but perhaps a bit reluctant, it can be really helpful to to lean them in gradually as well, so that they don't all go into shock and stage a protest. Um, another question is whether to do it with, uh, like without the replacements or not. So a lot of people will continue to make all the same foods, but they will use the vegan version of that meat or cheese or dairy. Most of these and, and if that's what works for you and that's what you want to do, then by all means do it for sure. But I'm just going to tell you what I know and what I feel. Most of these vegan replacement type foods, whether they're, they're cheeses or faux style deli slices or fish sticks or chicken tenders or whatever they are, are still, they, they are still processed foods. And most of them are high in sodium and in saturated fats and, um, are not super healthy, which goes back to what we were saying earlier about how you can be an unhealthy vegan. So my advice to you, if you are going to do that, um, is also that you do that in moderation and that you phase them out as much as possible, um, as quickly as possible. So, so you switch over for a week to those things, then like start knocking them out the next week if you can. But I will also say that many of them uh, can be very disappointing. Some of them are really tasty, but some of them are extremely disappointing, especially if you're expecting the meal that you had not plant-based. I don't even know how to say this anymore. How, how do we say this? Let's say, for example, um, you are having a grilled cheese sandwich one day, and then the next day you're having a vegan grilled cheese sandwich. Not everyone agrees with me, but as a card-carrying vegan, I would dare to say that most vegan cheeses are either just nothing like actual dairy-based cheese or actually even disgusting. <laughs> Most vegan cheese is really gross, in my opinion. Some vegan cheeses are okay, but don't taste anything like actual cheese. I have only found two vegan cheeses that I actually really like. One is called uh, Chow. So they're like, they're Chow vegan creamery slices or whatever they call them. And they're made by Field Roast, who also happen to make a pretty tasty vegan sausage, if you're into that. 
And then there's a feta cheese by a company called Plant Ahead. It's Plant Ahead Vegan Feta. It actually, for real, almost tastes like a vegan, uh, uh, sorry, as a, uh, like a non-vegan feta that I've had. So it's it comes in the blocks, it's firm, but it's kind of creamy still. So it's not, if you're expecting like that really crumbly, light feta, that's not what, what it is. It's more of the creamy. So you can still crumble it, but it's creamy. Um, anyways, if you miss feta, plant ahead makes a pretty good, pretty good, um, feta replacement. It's very, very close, but it's not hundred percent and neither is chow at all. I don't even know what chow might not even taste like cheese. I can't remember. Uh, it just is fun for a grilled cheese sandwich or something. Um, with the exception, maybe almost not even, but almost of, uh, burgers like the beyond burger and the impossible burger, both of which are definitely not healthy. And even they are not hundred percent, obviously replicas of a beef burger, but, um, most faux meats and cheeses will be disappointing. If the person you are serving it to is expecting it to taste exactly like the animal based product. And if you're trying to switch somebody over and that's how you're doing it and you instantly disappoint them, you may just turn them off of going plant-based altogether, which is not at all what you want. I will say though, if you like milk in your coffee or tea, or if you put milk in your cereal or your oatmeal, um, that might be something that you want to replace right away so that you don't have to take away like your whole morning routine, basically. <laughs> basically. The good news is there is an immense variety of different kinds of milks from nut milks like almond, cashew, macadamia, pistachio. There's even hazelnut and peanut milk. There's soy milks, there's rice milk, coconut and oat milk. Um, some have stronger flavors than others. Like I find soy is good for some things, but it definitely tastes like soy usually. Um, and then but coconut milk and soy milk and cashew milk are kind of thicker milks as well. And then, cause I, I don't know, for me, even that matters, the consistency. And then there's watery, like thinner milks, like almond milk, uh, for example, some are a bit sweet, even though they don't have any added sweetener. I find like macadamia milk tastes a little bit sweet. Um, for my coffee, I like unsweetened Oatly. That's my favorite. Um, and I use milkadamia or soy milk for making yogurt. And then there's all kinds of plant-based creamers for, for coffee um, and also creams for, for cooking with and baking with. There's also flavored plant milks if you like that stuff, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and so on and so on. So there's tons of those to choose from. Okay, so you've decided to do it. You've decided to make the switch and um, you have your why driving you and inspiring you, which is amazing. I have now reassured you that you can have all of the things that you need nutritionally on a plant-based diet. So you're super happy about that, right? Yes. And you've decided whether or not you're going to go cold Turkey, or if you're going to lean in, if you're going to lean in, you've decided what that plant's going to look like. You've decided if you want to go whole food plant-based, or if you're going to incorporate some faux not chicken or whatever you want to throw into your grocery basket, but you don't know what to eat because you've never eaten a vegan food before, or you have had very limited experience with plant-based 
foods. I recommend that you diversify your diet culturally if you don't already do that or keep doing that if you already do that. Um, Ethiopia and India are home to a ton of plant-based dishes with like incredible flavor palettes. Turkish and Jamaican foods um, are plentiful in plant-based dishes that are super tasty. The Mediterranean has some great plant-based dishes. When I was in Greece, I had no problem finding vegan dishes in restaurants, not only in Athens, where actually we found a really amazing restaurant called avocado so good um but even on the in the you know in the more remote like on the smaller islands with less populated villages and what have you um greece and italy have lots of vegetable dishes including um like leafy greens and lots of tomato dishes obviously but also bean dishes one of my favorite is um these huge the elephant beans or they call them giant beans and tomato sauce and i have a recipe for it i'll stick that in the show notes for you too it's so good oh my god it's so good um uh korea has some incredible delicious veg and tofu dishes so does do japan and and china there, there's just i mean mexico there's just like i'm did i say it already i i want to like just travel the world on your plate that's not a thing. That sounds really weird, but you know what I'm trying to tell you to do. And then for cooking, if you have no idea what to make, um, because you kind of have your, your set things that you often make at home, but usually they're animal-based dishes. Um, like my partner, it took her a long time to feel like she could cook food for me because she didn't know what to do. Like she knew she could use tofu or chickpeas but she didn't know what to do with them so the first thing i would say is um just use the same spice as you would or the sauces or whatever that you would uh, just just leave out the actual meat part so like if you love steak spice or cajun spices or tomato sauces or curries just use those same spices and sauces, but use them with tofu or chickpeas or lentils and so on. For eating at restaurants or getting takeout, more and more restaurants have vegan options. Uh, it's pretty rare now that uh, if they don't have vegan options, that they don't have something that you can either swap out of a meat dish or just ask them to hold. But occasionally some restaurants will have literally nothing that will be worth the money. Like you'll take out all the animal products and be left with a plate of, I don't know, iceberg and some shredded carrot. And you're like, mm, yeah, I'm not paying like $18 for this, which I get. Um, my suggestion to you is to go and look at what side dishes they have and just order a few of those or appetizers. Um, I have one restaurant that we used to go to that I would just, they had like a hummus and veggies plate. And then they also had, um, what did they have? Like an avocado dip and they had pita bread, like just things like that. So I would just order a bunch of appetizers and have like a pretty huge, amazing dinner. Um, and the other thing is, oh yeah. So sometimes you get invited out for breakfast with friends and breakfasts are usually not always, but usually pretty fun for 
for the side dishes. I'll just go straight to the sides. So I would order um, a side of fruit and a side of their breakfast potatoes if they're not in animal fat or a toast with peanut butter, uh, hold the butter, obviously, or um, toast with a side of mushroom, side of avocado, side of tomato, and just make like an avocado toast with tomato and grilled mushrooms. Um, and don't be shy to ask, is this cooked in butter? Is this cooked in animal? Just don't, it's just a question. You're not asking them to do anything. You're just asking them if they have this or if they do this. Honestly, you shouldn't even be afraid to ask them not to do it. Honestly, honestly, but we're, we're, we're taking baby steps. We're dipping our toes in. You're not, um, you know, you're not there yet. I totally get that unless you are. And if you are there, awesome. Ask them to hold the butter, hold the fat, hold the, whatever you want them to hold. And don't be shy because this is your health. It's your body and, uh, you know, your quality of life. So yes, there are a few challenges that come up sometimes when people switch to a plant-based diet. And one of them is that they're eating the same amount of food as they were eating before, but now they're still hungry. And the thing is that whole and plant-based foods are dense in nutrients, but not so much in calories. So you might find that you have to eat um, larger portions in order to feel as satiated as you did before, or to have the amount of energy as you had um, before, especially if you exercise a lot, but don't worry, you can still get more than enough of the calories that you need in. It just, um, might take a bit more food. So you can expect to probably eat more food, not less. So just as an example, chickpeas have 164 calories. So this is for a hundred gram serving. We're going to do chickpeas and, and chicken. So for a hundred grams of either chickpeas or chicken, the chickpeas have 164 calories. The chicken has 172 chickpeas have 8.9 grams of protein. The chicken has 20.8. The chickpeas have 2.6 grams of fat. The chicken has 9.25 chickpeas have 27.4 grams of carbohydrates. Chicken has zero and chickpeas have 7.6 grams of fiber and chicken has zero. So if you're eating a hundred gram serving of chickpeas, you might not be as satiated as you would have been if you'd had a hundred grams of chicken. So just keep that in mind that you're not switching out directly for the exact same portion size as you were for the animal product. If you switch to a plant-based diet and you start to lose weight that you don't want to lose, Again, same thing that I just said a second ago, um, just be mindful that you're actually taking in the right amount of calories that you need and not just eating the exact same size portions as you would have of the animal um, product. Some people also find that when they switch to a plant-based diet, suddenly they're feeling bloated and really gassy and they're not used to that. And it's extremely uncomfortable and sometimes embarrassing for some people. So just a reminder, this will happen if you barely eat any fiber or if you're not accustomed to eating um, legumes, for example, and then suddenly you're eating a whole bunch of it. So again, you might want to lean slowly into that. If you're eating um, way more vegetables than you used to, for example, I would recommend eating more cooked vegetables than raw vegetables at first, and then like slowly augment the amount of your vegetables that are raw. 
if you are not used to eating beans at all, like don't eat beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Suddenly the next day, that is going to be really uh, a roller coaster <laughs> adjustment for your body to make. It's good for you. It is so good for you, this fiber, but uh, it can be um, a bit shocking for your body if you're not used to it at all. If you are just really missing that, um, the sugar, fat, salt vibe that you get, vibes, not the right word at all, but that, that sugary or fatty, salty richness that um, is in animal foods, I totally get that, 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 that sort of comfort food thing. Um, I mean, you can get plenty of that on a vegan diet, but again, you're going to just be eating a lot of sugar, fat, and salt. And if the point was to switch to a whole food plant-based diet or a healthier diet, um, the addiction that you have to that fat, sugar, and salt is not, it's not helpful to you. So you, you're going to want to wean yourself off of that, or again, go cold turkey off of that. And the good news is the less you eat of that, the less addicted you become to it, the less you crave it, but also the more almost adverse to it you become. Like you really start getting kind of turned off of those foods. If you don't eat them for some time, you you really, they, they're, it's like almost too much. Like if you don't eat um, refined sugar for a long time and then you eat a chocolate bar, it's like so sweet. It's like, and it's not fun. And you're not like, mm, I miss this so much usually. Um, but there are some great ways still to hit the sweet spot or, um, to scratch that itch. If you're really missing, like, I, I don't know, there's like comfort, like your mac and cheese or your cheesy pizza, or, you know, what? I'm not even going to go to too much detail because actually, um, not the next episode of this podcast, but the one after that episode 13 is called life after cheese. And it's all about that. It's all about those comfort foods and, um, making sure that you still are, you know, nurturing that side of yourself. Um, so yes. And like I said, that's less of a vegan issue than it is just, a you know, making new healthy choices and eating whole foods, plant-based whole foods thing. Another challenge that people uh, face when they're switching to plant-based is if they have kids and they feel like they're torturing their poor children by making them switch to a plant-based diet. And so I will just tell you right now that aortic fatty streaks appear in children as early as 10 years of age and even younger if the kids are obese. Um, children who are raised on plant-based diets have all the same benefits that adults do. They have a redu reduced risk for heart disease, cancer, obesity, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. And adolescents raised on a plant-based diet also um, have fewer flares up, flares up, flare ups <laughs> of, of acne, of um, allergies, of gastrointestinal issues, and also of um, intensity of menstrual and premenstrual um, syndrome symptoms. So cramping and um, uh, bleeding and irregular cycles and what have you. Um, and we know now, even though we used to pop a bottle of milk by we, I just mean society uh, of milk into their baby's mouths before to make sure they were getting all the protein and the, and the calcium and everything that they needed. We already talked about that, but also um, dairy is just not necessary. It is one of the most inflammatory foods that we consume. It is packed with all kinds of hormones that our bodies don't need and don't want. And um, that includes our children. And many studies have shown, including a 2005 review uh, published in pediatrics, that milk consumption 
does not Im improve the bone integrity in children. And in fact, the Canadian um, Food Guide has removed dairy entirely as a, an essential food group from their food guide. So your kids will be healthier and happier and stronger and have all of the same health benefits as you will. Um, just remember that they also need B12 and possibly um, vitamin D. So just make sure that they're getting that stuff. Um, what else? Oh yeah. And then people who have a partner who is not uh, vegan and has no intention of being vegan, that's totally fine. Uh, I, I don't feel like it's my place to get into the, the couples there and be part of this conversation. But I will say that again, if you are cooking for this partner and you are um, using meat or cheese replacements that don't actually taste like meat and cheese, you are going to get even more pushback than you're already getting. So instead of trying to fool your partner um, and ultimately disappoint them and turn them off of plant-based food altogether, um, try making dishes that are not expected to be meat dishes in the first place. Um, like uh, pasta with puttanesca sauce or bean burritos or falafel or pad mi, cactus tacos, um, Indian curries and samosas and so on and so forth. There's tons and tons of dishes out there that people eat all the time that are vegetarian that they never expected to have meat in them. So they don't think twice about it. So try and aim for, for stuff like that. Um, and then lastly, traveling. When you're traveling, depending, of course, on where you are, you can usually find um, vegan restaurants or restaurants that have vegan dishes or vegan options in them. And if you're having trouble, there are heaps of websites on, on the internet with reviews and suggestions and, um, uh, and even apps like Happy Cow, which I love, that can help you find vegan restaurants in the area that you're in, in pretty much almost every city in the world, I think. <laughs> Um, many cities also have markets where you can find individual ingredients that you can buy and eat if you can't find a restaurant to serve your needs. Um, one of my favorite memories in Spain was sitting on the steps of a market. I think it's called uh, Mercado de la Boqueria. I'm not saying that right, probably, but uh, I just remember we bought like fresh coconut and like big chunks of coconut and, and watermelon and some um, spiced hazelnuts or something and then fresh warm bread from the bakery and just sat outside and ate it and I felt like it was so luxurious like I was just on another planet it was just so beautiful and um we also found this amazing vegan restaurant called Juicy Jones in Barcelona but um I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist anymore sadly but found that on Happy Cow that was my point um found the market and the and the and the um restaurant happy cow and there's way more places now than ever so so yeah that's that and before i go i just want to say also that i am here as well if there is anything at all i can do to help you on this path of yours to either switch to or lean into a vegan or a plant-based diet please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I would be more than happy to help you. If you need information or resources and I don't have them, I will help you find them. It would bring me immense joy to do so. And you can reach out to me in so many ways. You can reach out to me on Instagram at underscore sweet vegan 
underscore. You can reach out to me on Facebook on the Sweet Vegan page. Um, you can go directly to sweetvegan.net and use the contact link. You can email me at sweetvegancoaching at gmail.com. Um, you can go to my website, sweetvegan.net, and find tons of free recipes. And there are resources for plant-based sources of protein, calcium, iron, B12, selenium, iodine, the, everything we talked about today. Um, and uh, yes, and 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 good luck on, on this life-changing intention that you've set for yourself. I'm really excited for you. And make sure that you have fun while you're doing it. And also take really, really good care of yourselves. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore sweet vegan underscore or on the Sweet Vegan Coaching Facebook page. Feel free also to check out sweetvegan.net where you'll find a ton of free recipes, articles, meal plans, and the Sweet Vegan Spills the Tea digital magazine. Have a great day and take good care of yourselves.